You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. They justify, rationalize, or defend their disobedience. But conviction is God's way of changing our attitude, our behavior. Conviction is what God uses to change our attitude, to change our behavior. Conviction is like the rumble strips on the highway. Conviction is the tool God uses to transform us into the image of His Son. Are you someone who fights Jesus' instruction and correction with pleas of justification and excesses? In today's study... Pastor Dion exhorts you not to ignore God's conviction. Your Heavenly Father wants to change your attitude and behavior to mirror that of His Son's heart. When you start to stray from God's plan, He reprimands you to guide you back to His path. If you ignore His correction, you might find yourself in bigger trouble. If you feel the Holy Spirit trying to correct you, give in and confess your sin. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 16 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Luke chapter 16, are you ready for a Bible study? Jesus has been teaching a whole lot in these last few chapters as his time, of course, is drawing close to his crucifixion. So he's spending a whole lot more teaching to the multitudes so that, you know, they can get the message. So today we're going to hear another message that Jesus gives, uh, kind of a continuation from last week, and um, and it's going to be impactful. Well, guys, I'm not much of a Facebook user. I'm I'm really not. But there is an action on Facebook that I think Jesus would have liked. It's called this, poke! Now, there are a variety of reasons for someone to poke you on Facebook. Maybe to say, hey, you. Maybe to say, what's up, right? Maybe to say, don't forget. Or maybe they're poking you to say, be careful. Or maybe they're poking you to say, andale. Well, even before Facebook, Jesus used the poke tab. You have probably experienced a poke or two from the Lord. How many of you have experienced a poke or two from the Lord, huh? I mean, every Sunday service we get a poke, right? A poke from God saying, I love you. A poke from God saying, remember. A poke from God saying, andale! Well, in this chapter, Jesus sent out a poke to all of his followers, both friends and foes. The poke said, don't squander or waste the everyday blessings from the Lord on your own pleasures or gain. I'm going to say it again. Here's the poke Jesus sent out. Don't squander or waste the everyday blessings from the Lord on your own pleasures or gain. Here is what Jesus urged us to do with the poke. He said, here's what you should do with the everyday blessings. Invest. Jesus explained that God has given all of us a measure of time, talent, and treasure. We all have a measure of time, talent, and treasure. 
of our possessions and money. All of us have a measure. And while he doesn't mind that we use that, those time, talent, and treasure to take care of our needs, God doesn't mind that at all. God really doesn't, what he, but he really doesn't want us to do is to consume them on our, everybody say this word, oh. So though everyone, Jesus explained last time that we talked, Jesus explained in his teaching, everybody gets a portion of time, talent, and treasure, and I want you to use it for your needs, but what I might be opposed to is you using it on your greed. Matthew in his gospel recorded Jesus saying this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, let's read it. Don't store up treasures here on earth, where they can erode away or may be stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value and are safe from thieves. You can tell where your heart is invested by where you are storing up. Everybody say, wow. And then in the verse that we closed with last week, Jesus said this, Luke chapter 16, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Alright? So Jesus warned that having a divided loyalty just won't work. Having a divided loyalty just won't work. Listen, we can only have one master. So what does the investment record read? Where are we making more deposits? Our kingdom or his? Have Jesus' statements, sermons, have Jesus' pokes ever struck a nerve? Annoyed or agitated you? It's called convictions. Somebody described conviction like this. The truth will make you free, but first it'll piss you off. Right? Conviction. Well, you weren't the first to get convicted. There were a few in Jesus' audience that day that he taught this that were hissing worse than cats at a dog pound. <sighs> right? In fact, Jesus taught the sermon, and this was the result. Luke 16, verse 14, read it. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things. And they were derided him, and he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John, the Baptist. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. So, you know, some people fight Jesus' instruction and correction. They justify, rationalize, or defend their disobedience. But conviction is God's way of changing our attitude, our behavior. 
Conviction is what God uses to change our attitude, to change our behavior. Conviction is like the rumble strips on the highway. Conviction is the tool God uses to transform us into the image of His Son so that we can drive like Jesus or live like Jesus. In fact, here's what the Bible says about conviction. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, read it with me. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Hmm. I'm going to read that again. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's conviction. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And then there's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Conviction is necessary. God gives it so it can change our attitudes and our behaviors. The people there, some of them were feeling it. And they were actually angered. They were being stupid. In fact, they said they derided Jesus' statement about investing their time, their talent, and their treasure. The word derided means that they stuck up their nose at Jesus' statement. I think we're all familiar with that. It's like this. You talking to me? That was their attitude. What do you mean? Jesus tells them to invest their time, talent, and treasure, not to waste it on themselves and their greed. And they were convicted about this. But instead of embracing it, they're like, what, are you talking to me? What? Right? They're challenging Jesus, derided Him. These guys thought they were spiritual hotties, that they didn't need to learn anything. But in truth, they were like my other high school girlfriend that I had to dump. She had a body that wouldn't quit, but a brain that wouldn't start. Listen, for conviction to work, we can't bemoan it. We have to do this. Everybody say it out loud. So when the message goes out, I mean, we can try to justify and rationalize. We can try to defend ourselves and our position, our habits, our, our inclinations, our bend, our sinful lifestyle. We can try to defend it. But guys, for the conviction to work, you can't bemoan it. We have to own it. We have to admit it and change. Jesus said everyone needs to press into learning and nobody is above the law. That's what he said. The longer we reject the message or remain unteachable, the more time we lose. And in case you didn't know, there will be a day of reckoning. Wow. Our lives will be evaluated and weighed after death. Paul explained it like this to one of his congregations. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And just as each person is destined to die once, 
And after that comes judgment. And to another congregation, Paul gave a little more detail. 2 Corinthians 5.9, he said this, So our aim is to please the Lord always in everything we do. Read this part out loud with me. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged and have our lives laid bare before Him. Each of us will receive whatever he deserves for the good or bad things he has done in this world earthly body. So Jesus, knowing this, asked us to invest our time, talent, and treasure in His kingdom instead of consuming it all on ourselves. And some people didn't like that. So Jesus used a story to warn us that living for self is a bad idea. Let's read it. Jesus continues. Verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared supplementarius every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So let's get the picture. Jesus has been talking about investing our time, talent, and treasure, not wasting it on selfish living, but to invest it in others, to share and to learn to be like Christ, right? But there were some who were greedy and got very convicted and angered. And so they derided, stuck up their noses and challenged Jesus. And I loved how Jesus took care of the challenge. He simply started to tell a story. Now, the story is of two people and two opportunities and two deaths and two outcomes. The first of the two guys that Jesus describes is blessed. The first guy is blessed. He's got a nice crib, a pimped ride, designer threads. In fact, they're priestly garments. Jesus says they're purple and fine, and the word fine in Greek means pleated. So they were purple and pleated, which were the exact kind of wardrobe that the priests wore. So Jesus is saying, hey, this guy has a nice crib, this guy has has a nice ride, this guy wears designer clothes, which in fact seem very sacred and special. He's got money in the bank, he's got money in his wallet, he eats wherever and whenever he wants. He's got more than he can say grace over. Blessed. Now the other guy, Lazarus, on the other hand, was broken. Not blessed, broken. Disabled, diseased, and deteriorating. The only ship that had come in for Lazarus was a hard ship. The fact that he is begging indicates that he has a family that he needs to provide for. But he can't work. It's not that he won't work. He just can't. He physically is incapable of working. And since there's no welfare system or disability income support, he does the only thing he can. He trusts, he puts his trust in the Lord, And he begs outside the blessed man's gate. That's all he can do. 
And I'll tell you why. Puts his trust in the Lord. You see, in the Old Testament, God had instructed those who are blessed to have compassion on those who are broken. To help a person in need and lay up treasure in heaven. That's what the Old Testament taught. In fact, it's the same instructions that we've been given in the New Testament. Here's the verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Let's read it. Teach those who are blessed in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. All right, so the Old Testament and the New Testament have the same protocol for people who are blessed and what they should do. Lazarus was counting on this, trusting God, saying God will provide, so take me to the doorstep of some blessed guy and leave me there because God has told them to take care of me. Are you, are you following? So he's doing the only thing he knows to do, trusting God, that the blessed man would follow God's protocol. But that's not what happened. Lazarus grew up like a lot of us, you know, with beans and rice and Jesus Christ. Lazarus grew up eating every morsel on his plate because there was not a lot. But the wealthy in this culture were very wasteful. Instead of using napkins, they would wipe their greasy hands with bread and toss it on the floor. And when the meal was over, they would wipe the leftovers off the plates with bread right onto the dining room floor. And then they would bring in the dogs to lick up the mess. Lazarus would long for those leftovers. He would pray for those leftovers. But he got more attention and compassion from the dogs than from the blessed man. As all they would go out and lick his sores. But the rich man or the blessed man never put him any attention. The blessed man deliberately ignored and rejected God's command to share and to help. He wasn't just ignoring and rejecting Lazarus, he was ignoring and rejecting God. Eventually, both of these men, the blessed man and Lazarus, died. But Jesus tells us that death isn't the end. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. 
But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Now can you imagine you're sitting in this setting and Jesus is telling this story. Listen, after death, our spirit is immediately escorted to its final destination. I know the JWs say that it's the grave, soul sleep. But I'm going to believe Jesus over the JWs. Jesus said that our spirit, which includes our mind, our feelings, and our emotions, stay very much awake and intact after death. Lazarus was at the table with all the godly characters of faith from the Old Testament. It was a reunion, a celebration. It was a comfort. No more sickness, no more pain, no more fear, no more anxiety, no more struggle. Isn't that awesome? And that's what every believer and follower of Jesus can expect when he crosses death's threshold. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Isn't that awesome? All his faculties are intact. He's being comforted. He's enjoying it. Uh, I mean, he's with, uh, in a reunion. The greedy, stingy guy, on the other hand, his body was laid in a grave where it will stay. But his spirit was escorted to this place, Hades or hell. Now Jesus talked a lot about hell. Actually, more than he did heaven. See, Jesus didn't want anyone ending up there. So he made sure to inform us that hell is not going to be a big rave with lights, liquor, and laughter. Jesus said that Hades or hell is going to be quite the opposite. Here is one of, the, of Jesus' descriptions of hell. He said, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Hell is torment. Anguish, fear, pain, regret, forever. And before you ask, how could a loving God send people to hell? A loving God doesn't send people to hell. God created hell for the devil and his demons. It was never intended for man. Man chooses to go there of his own free will. And believe me, getting there isn't easy. A person has to be hell-bent to get to hell. As we cling to the simple We're so glad that you joined us today for The Simple Truth. Pastor Dion Cordova has been sharing from the book of Luke, one of the narratives of Jesus' life on earth. Luke's perspective emphasizes the human interactions that Jesus had, his time spent caring deeply for people, no matter who they were or what their story was. Jesus cares for you in the same way. 
He knows what your background is, but that hasn't changed his opinion of you. He just wants to get to know you and show you what unconditional love is. His grace is big enough to cover all of your sins, and he's offering you a new life today. We'd love to tell you more, so please give us a call. We'll share how Jesus can impact your life forever and what steps you can take to begin a relationship with him. Our phone number is 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. We'd like to encourage you to get involved with a local church as well. This will be a place that you can ask questions, learn more about Jesus, and find support as you grow in your faith. Are you in the Española area? If so, we'd love for you to come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. We meet on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. That's tmcalvary.com. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for more from Luke right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.